Welcome to the Forex Analytics Community Experience, or FACE, podcast. Dale Pinkert interviews some of the sharpest and most knowledgeable people in the financial markets daily. Also, you can go directly to forexanalytics.com or find us on YouTube to watch these interviews live and get fresh, intraday macro and technical analysis of the currency, stock, and commodities markets daily from the Forex Analytics team. Our FACE show is free every trading day. Now here's your host, Dale Pinkert. Bob Elliott, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Great to have you back, Bob. And, uh, you know, since we last talked, one statement you said to me, I think it was our first interview, which was well over a year ago now, right? Um, I asked you, I said, um, is this a a bear market? And you said, no, this is not a bear market. You haven't seen a bear market yet. So are we are we getting closer to an inflection point where maybe we'll get some earnings misses this week with some of these big companies where uh, rates after a year have started to take impact on companies to where we might be close to seeing what you classify as a bear market? Yeah, I mean, I think the main the main dynamic, you got to think about the ordering of how this works and how a cycle like this works, which is when we talked a year ago, we hadn't experienced the dynamics that were necessary to get us to recession. It's why right. a year ago I said there was unlikely to be an immediate recession. Um, and, the, and that ordering is first the yields have to rise. Well, now we've got that, basically. Yeah. So the, long the, and, the steepening of the curve from we had, the We inversion. have the steepening of the curve. Okay. We, we have the uninversion. Then asset prices have to fall. Well, we've gotten a little bit of weakness in stocks, but we really actually haven't gotten that much weakness. If anything, no. actually, stocks are more expensive today than they were when they peaked. Now, hold on. How can that be? How can the price be lower and the value and, and the and the asset be more expensive? It's very simple, which is bonds, which are right. the you know, which discount the future cash flow uh, and, and discount the future earnings for stocks have fallen a lot more than stocks have. And so as a result, the valuation on stocks is actually higher today than it was back, you know, three or four months ago when stocks peaked. And so we're just starting that cycle. And we start to see days, you know, we haven't seen that many days where really bonds outperform stocks. That's when you really know you've turned in this cycle, when right. bonds start to outperform stocks. Right okay. now, we've basically been chopping sideways in that. for Which you know, is an improvement uh, because we were continuing to go down and the market seems to have somewhat of a bid coming in near these levels because momentum is not confirming the new lows in say TLT. Yeah. And, well, I, I, I but, mean, obviously you guys look at it from a technical perspective, which is a you know a totally different perspective than how I do it. But when I look at um, sort of from a more fundamental perspective, just trying to add up the buyers and sellers, like the, the thing that I think, people often forget about bond sell-offs because we haven't had that many in our like in our recent memory is that they're self-correcting because what happens is the yields move a higher which then brings in the yield sensitive buyers particularly you know tactically hedge funds and more structurally households um and that help and and then on top of it the higher yields slow the economy which means that there's less borrowing which means that there's lower bond yields as a function of that and so i think we're sort of in that zone where the self-correcting nature uh, in the bond market is such that we're we're starting to get that sort of that ceiling in yields, like you kind of feel it. You probably see this in the technical. It kind of feels like we keep 
sort of bumping yeah. and then coming back and bumping and coming back. And I think that's just that, you know, in many ways, it's a reflection of those sort of fundamental flows dynamics that I'm describing. You're not a technician, but you're a tape reader. <laughs> that's right. That, that's right. Uh, all right. You know, so that that's how you feel that kind of action and interpret. So, you know, there was an announcement that they're going to go to more T-bills, shorter term paper in the next funding package, I believe, over the long end. Uh, that going to have any impact on yield, the yield steepening? Well, I think in a lot of ways, uh, that is the sort of thing that takes the um, the risk, the tail risk out of the of the market. Like we've had basically just pretty much the most extreme amount of change in duration supply from essentially no duration supply to meaningful duration supply here in the yeah. fourth quarter. And so my guess is that the Treasury doesn't like what they're seeing. And my guess is that they're going to try and you know, fiddle with the mix a little bit um, yeah. on top of the fact that the deficits, the actual deficits on a forward-looking basis are still going to be elevated, but going to be less high because you're starting to get um, repayments from California and stuff like that. There are a couple of one-off things that created a particularly extreme uh, uh, deficit uh, from sort of March to September, which is unlikely yeah. to occur over the course of the next six months. Still big deficits, big deficits for this point of the cycle, but not nearly as extreme as we saw uh, earlier this year. Okay, so uh, we have a geo situation that we have to keep at least one eye on. And I uh, went to your stream, Bob, and you actually, you know, try to explain to people uh, what it's like to have a, a war economy and, you know, what it means for markets. Can you share that with our viewers today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think none of us basically have any idea what it's like to live through a major global conflict, right? I mean, we haven't yeah. seen a you know, if anything, actually, I, I showed some charts on there, which I thought were interesting. I hadn't seen before I started looking into it, which is that like global conflict is at like orders of magnitude lower than the sort of norms of the last 600 years. And so, you know, that's basically how our our careers and frankly, my whole life has uh, has been in that sort of state. Um, yeah. And and the, the issue with um with conflicts is that basically, if you just think about it from a fundamentals perspective, what you're doing is you're digging stuff out of the ground and you're creating production and then destroying it, right? That's the, that's the basic thing. And then you're financing it with large deficits, usually through yield suppression in order to keep the financing costs down. And you put that all together. And what does that mean? That means that it's a bad, you know, it, inflation is elevated, even though growth is elevated and inflation is elevated. It's a, you know, both of those things are bad for bonds on a real basis, typically bad for stocks because the economic rents basically go to the government rather than to the producer uh, of the products for, for a variety of reasons right. that are probably intuitive. The war machine. It, go, yeah. The war machine, right? It's just that, that's, yeah. that's the way it works. We socialize the productive capacity in one form or another. Um, okay. And then the other elements are, you know, commodities do very well because you're digging them out of the ground and destroying it. Uh, and and gold does well in that environment as well, because it's essentially the only, you know, the only money that's not being debased by governments in order to pursue the war effort. And so you put that combination together, you know, that's essentially a, a the best portfolio is gold and commodities. And like then you think about how people are basically positioned strategically, which is bonds and stocks. And they're basically totally uh, underweight. Wrong side of the fence. 
yeah. right? Totally underweight, uh, rising conflict. Yeah, and I know that you're a believer in gold uh, as part of the mix of a portfolio. So, I mean, I know you're a gold watcher. Was that <laughs> was that one of the most dramatic rallies you've seen in gold in a long time? I wanted to do put two hundred, almost well, hundred yeah, I mean, dollars on. Well, I think the thing that's really interesting, gold, you got to think about it. It's basically two things. It's a geopolitical hedge, uh, which we all sort of know, but it's also non-yield bearing money. And so when you think about gold in general, actually, you want to think about it relative to bonds because, you know, bonds pay a yield and gold doesn't pay a yield. And so even when I trade it or think about it, I'm trading a diff position rather than an outright position. I think the thing that's pretty amazing is how well gold has done relative to bonds. Um, which I, you know, in, in the last few weeks, I mean, structurally over the last three years, it's done fantastically well relative to bonds. But, but even in the last few weeks, I think that speaks to the bid it's getting from the geopolitical tensions. And like, these are the sorts of things, like, you know, gold, gold has high, high, high convexity to these sorts of events. And so it's why in a portfolio, you actually don't need that much gold to protect yourself. But it doesn't take a lot of incremental buying to start to create meaningfully sized price action in gold. And so I think that's kind of what we're seeing is like, you know, in the grand scheme, the, the situation in Israel is terrible um, and, you know, is, a, is, uh, is contributing to increasing global tensions in the grand scheme of, you know, global conflicts. It is not, certainly not yet, uh, yeah. nearly as substantial as those previous global con- conflicts, but we're still getting a significant bit in gold because it has that convexity. So I think that's yeah. that's what you have to. That's why gold is a great asset to hold as a small position in a diversified portfolio. Okay, so uh, why don't we talk a little bit about Japan? Uh, it seems like you have been uh, stating the case that with what's going on, little inflation would be an improvement for Japan, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, go ahead. I, I mean, my my career has. Uh, as I, I learned that basically Japan is in depression and that's just the way it goes and, you know, deflationary depression. And, and I, I, I somewhat joked on Twitter uh, last week that Japan may be like the best managed economy in the developed world, right. You know, for the first time in decades. And, um, and the reason why that is, is look, Japan needs a little bit of inflation. It's getting a little bit of inflation. We're not seeing uh, most of that inflation is actually driven by the supply side and, you know, import inflation, yeah, which they is, import everything. They import a lot of stuff. You're not really you're seeing a yeah. modest uptick in wage inflation, but not a big deal. And their response is to do not much in response to in response to that. Maybe, you know, they're raising the cap a little bit. But like, you know, Japan is experiencing pretty good growth, you know, moderately positive inflation. Um under the current monetary policy circumstances. And that all aligns, like, that's that's reasonable. They're basically handling things reasonably. They don't have that many excesses in the grand scheme of things. And so at least I, when I look at Japan, I don't see a lot of urgency to do anything different because they're doing a pretty good job the way things are right now. So everyone waiting for them to make shifts from yield curve control, they're going to be waiting for a while. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's just, like, why? why? Why do they need to shift from yield curve control? Like, what... What is the actual compelling case? Like they don't have inflation, it's rolling over, it's been at 2% for the last you know, three or six months. 
Growth yeah. is fine to good, you know, so that I mean, but not so hot that it's causing a problem. Wage inflation is modest. And if anything, you'd prefer for it to be a little bit higher than it has been. Like there's no urgency to do anything more significant. And so what that means is if you're trading the currency, you know, the, the, the challenge is the currency is going to trade based on the U.S. dynamics much, more, you know, the dollar yen is going to trade much more on the U.S. dynamics than on the Japanese dynamics. And so, you know, that I mean. We have a, a, you know, if I took an EKG of U.S. dollar yen right now, it would look like the patient was in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> right? What does that mean? Just a quiet nature. I mean, they say never sell a sleeping market. I mean, this market's asleep. Yeah. Uh, except yeah. For and, intermittent and, spikes, you know. And in part, of that's because we sort of know that the MOF, you know, if, if things start to really start to move, you know, through the 150 mark, which to be clear, I think, you know, they certainly could move through the 150 mark. I don't think it's like uh, uh, particularly, I don't think they're like particularly enamored with 150 as a number that they must defend. But we all know that the MOF is going to, you know, fuck with the speculators, which is in yeah. their nature. And if you've been in this business long enough, yeah. you've you've probably been fucked with a few times by the MOF. <laughs> uh, fluctuated again. Right. It's just a and, fluctuation, uh, fluctuation. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of where we can go from here. Uh, when you look at what's happening geopolitically, though, Bob, um, are you, you know, it's hard to be hopeful uh, for me that something that is biblical, that it's, a, it's the same as it ever was. You could go to the Old Testament and this is a rerun. The only thing that's changed are the weapons. Uh, what do you think uh, is going to be the uh, future? Do you think the U.S. is going to stand by Israel no matter what, or uh, will they be on their own as the pictures from Gaza start coming in after they do invade, which, you know, I think they're going to do it regardless of what our president wants them not to? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... I, uh, I, I don't know is the reality. And I, you know, I, if anything, I'm a, a a taker, uh, an absorber of information around these topics rather than really having much of a perspective view. I wish I had a edge in a perspective view because it would be great probably given how it's going to, going to influence markets in in the near term. I I think in general, like I, I think about it more like, um, from a value perspective in the sense of like thinking about what is priced into markets, right? What is priced into markets? And I, I go back to particularly the gold market. What is priced into the gold market is secularly low conflict. And while I have no particular view that it's going to pick up, you know, it's going to be China, Taiwan, or, you know, Russia, Ukraine, and beyond, or, you know, Israel against, Iran's proxies. Like I, I have no particular view of which of those is likely to escalate further. But the idea yeah. that um, that we're going to have a, a, a global environment that looks a lot like what it did, you know, in the um, the post, you know, the the post Soviet era for a few yeah. decades, it, it seems unlikely we're going to have the level of stability that we had you know, starting uh, back in the in the late 80s that we had, you know, for a couple of decades. That, that seems like a low likelihood. And so, you know, 
being all all in on peace doesn't seem like it's the right trade um, okay. or or the right uh, positioning yourself well, given the distributions. Okay. So, you know, a big event happened here in the market and I know you're not a big technician, but I wanted to ask you about it. It's the, uh, the S&P 4200 level, which everyone eyed mm -hmm. before we went through it um, on the upside here was 42. And that's where we became pretty parabolic. Then we pulled yeah. back to it and held. People got long against it. And now they took out the stops. Uh, you know, some of the leaders have been under a lot of pressure, like uh, NVIDIA being a darling. Uh, pretty yep. ugly week. Head and shoulders there. I mean, Amazon under a lot of pressure. Apple really still is down 20%, 15%. Um, do you, I'm, I'm kind of thinking what led the market up is going to be what leads the market down. Uh, a lot of people still love the Magnificent Seven. Don't you think that a few, at least a few of the Magnificent Seven have been sent to Boot Hill to be buried? Well, I, 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 you know, you look at these, these, um, these companies and you look at what's expected in terms of the earnings, right? Which yeah. is, something like 25% earnings growth on the S&P 500 level over the next two years. And you say to yourself, okay, like you know, that let's go bottoms up. You know, there's a lot of companies, you know, there's like 490 companies where, you know, earnings growth does not look particularly good in this environment. Um, and certainly on a forward looking basis. And so we're really relying on a handful of companies to deliver that earnings growth. And yeah, I mean, Tesla is a good example. Like it yeah. doesn't take much, much disappointment to yeah. create um, to create a real gap in terms of uh, of what is going to transpire in the market, and so and this is like you know, you've been down, down this path a whole bunch of times in terms of you know cycles and how the cycles play out and things like that. And this is there's something very familiar with what we're seeing right now, which is that there's always this point in the market cycle where it's like kind of everyone has kind of given up on recession. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And earnings are going to be good, and what do you, and and X Y and Z is different, like whatever X Y and Z is, housing market, pets.com, whatever. It's always X Y and Z something is different, and then what happens is like the reality just kind of comes in, and it's like it just it just is not as good as what people are expecting, and you and then you start to get that sort of rollover and the downward dynamic, and and you can see it in these technical charts like breaking. Yeah, through. I mean I'm looking at the banks, Bob, so you know. I think there was a warning on our terrible earnings Friday on one of the regionals. And uh, even though the bonds have stopped going down, like they're coming off Niagara Falls, they're grinding down. Yeah. Um, these banks are in worse shape now because yields are higher than they were in March. Uh, are, do we still have a banking crisis going on? I think, you know, I think we have, the banking problem is a little is a little subtle right now because those banks are not creating good earnings, right? Those are bad equity investments, okay. but they're not necessarily systemically a problem, right? Take okay. take a region's financial still running a three and a half NIM with you know sixty basis points of NPLs, like from a from a from the perspective of a bank. Uh, from like a systemic perspective, from the likelihood that that bank's failing is very low, very, very low. 
Now, the likelihood that that bank kind of sucks as an equity holder is right. reasonably okay. high. But what the Fed cares about is not if holding regions financial you know, stock is a good return. They don't care about that. What they care about is whether the bank is going to fail. And they've done a pretty good job putting themselves in a position to ensure that the banks aren't going to fail. But for equity holders, you know, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be a, a pleasant rock here. Yeah, and it's not just the regionals. Uh, it's the no, money I mean, centers. Bankers, yeah, some of the yeah. money centers, and and we're actually seeing that. I put something out this weekend, which shows that actually the financial pressure that you're starting to see is actually in the largest banks. The largest 25 banks are actually seeing the biggest financial pressure, where they saw less pressure after SVB. Whereas the small banks are actually doing okay. <laughs> um, why? Why and, is that? Uh, the flow of deposits has gone towards the big money center banks. Why is has that become uh, created more pressure on their well, financials? Well, I think um, a lot of those money center banks, you know, are still holding. And when I say money center banks, I mean you have Bank of America, which is still holding too much duration, and then the okay. regionals are really in that space. It's really the the super regionals that are feeling that pressure, whereas frankly, the the stickiness of smaller banks, you know, like your, you know, XYZ credit union, or, you know, the small bank in your hometown, like those banks, they have very sticky deposits, like people bank with them on a relationship basis. And it's not, you know, it's not that bad. Um, and those banks are actually seeing some resetting of their yields that they're getting on their incremental loans. And so if you're running, you know, a bank with, 50, 100, 250 million dollars of assets, it's actually like a pretty, it's not like not a terrible time. Okay. What's wrong with Goldman? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, they're, I don't, they're supposedly best of breed, right? They're always the smartest. I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I like when Goldman goes down because they didn't hire me and I had to go work for JT. <laughs> And and I had to go work for JT Marlin. Well, you you're that? doing all right for yourself now. You, you remember know? JT Marlin? Uh, was in no, that I, movie. Might have, Boiler Room. My... Boiler Room, baby. Yeah, so, you know, I went in there and we had a nice little markup on some fraudulent paper. <laughs> anyway, Bob, you know, uh, it's so great talking to you. I, I want people to be able to find you. So, I, I you know, I put up your website here and you have your own etf um how's the etf holding up say the last month or so is it a market perform a little under a little over yeah i mean what what we're seeing i mean the thing that we've seen with hedge fund and what we're focused on is is uh seeking to replicate what the gross of fees returns of the hedge fund industry and how they're positioned um uh and what we've seen is basically hedge funds have been super conservative all year in terms of their positioning. And now that conservatism is actually paying dividends, whereas we're seeing like, you know, pretty bad market action in stocks and bonds, you know, uh, hedge funds are running their lowest risk that they've run in a long time. Uh, and so, you know, holding up while the rest of the market has been going down over the course of the last little while. And that's pretty normal. That's basically how hedge funds navigate recessions, recession yeah. environments is that they play safe they play conservative when asset prices are doing poorly, uh, and then they, you know, come back in when asset prices are doing well. So that's how they can achieve what they're doing. And if you look through recessions through time, you know, hedge funds outperform in in recessionary environments. And so I think we're, right. you know, we're we're you're, you're, 
That's so your day. Do the same here. Your day. Your day in the sun is coming. <laughs> That's right. I mean, look. As long as it's not YOLO Nasdaq uh, as the only answer, right? It'll yeah. it'll uh, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everyone watching, you know, Bob's views and perspectives are sought everywhere. He's been on every financial station that you could name because he's able to clarify complicated things for laymen like us to understand it. So here's Bob's website, and he has a blog that you could check out to see what he's uh, what he's viewing, and you could follow Bob at Bob unlimited right? yeah check me out on twitter a lot of that's where you get sort of the uh the sort of day-to-day -day takes in terms of how i'm thinking about it we actually like talk through a bunch of the stuff uh yeah. in uh that i've been posting and talking about the last uh couple couple weeks as well so um definitely check it out and and you know ask questions comment whatever it's great to interact with people out there uh you're doing a great job as a watchman for us, Bob, by keeping us informed with what's happening that, um, you know, we couldn't see unless you provided your perspective. So appreciate the great work that you and your team does. And thank you for coming here early in the morning and having a little conversation with me. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's always great to, to talk to, uh, to talk to you, Dale, and, and um, such a, a wealth of perspective. And, and I, and I love, you know, because I come from a fundamental sort of macro perspective. I love getting into the technical perspective. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a totally different lens and, and one that I, um, I really, you know, you're obviously have incredible expertise at, and it's always great to have these conversations. So thank you for well, having me on. I'll put, I'll put a trade on based on my technicals and then I'll go around and check your stuff up out to, See if I have any fundamentals backing up what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bob, I put on trades and hope to God the technicals are aligned with what I'm trying to do. Well, yeah, we're like we're the opposite. <laughs> uh, anyway, whatever works for us, Bob. A million right. ways to skin a cat. So that is, Bob that El is very true. Bob Elliott, my trading warrior brother. Check him out. Follow him for sure. Thanks, Bob. I'll catch you in the winter. Awesome. Definitely. All Talk right. See you later. Good hunting, Bob. All right, everyone. That's a wrap for face today. You could join the team in about 15 minutes on the morning edge and we'll see if we turn around Tuesday. Um, don't just count your pips, count your blessings. I'll see you guys. Thanks for hanging out.